Canadian Football Podcast. I am your host, Mike Schwan. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Schwan CFL or on Instagram at Mike Schwan. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Taylor Curry SK. And I'm Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington and at Twitter at CJK underscore Carter. Don't forget to also follow the podcast. We are True North CF Pod on Instagram and Twitter and True North Canadian Football Podcast on Facebook. You can also listen to the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Now, before we get into the news here, I just wanted to address uh, last week's episode didn't get out, and we did record it. Unfortunately, uh, our editor just had a time crunch. It is what it is. This episode is going to be out on time, though, so if you're wondering why there was nothing for week four, that's why. It's just things happen, so it is what it is. But anyway, jumping into the news, the Riders were very active uh, this week so far. They traded a sixth-round pick for Mario Alford. That pick does become a fifth-round pick, however, if he plays, I believe it's nine games for the team. They also undid their trade with Calgary and brought back global punter Jimmy Smith. And this is a bit more interesting story. The Alouettes released their starting linebacker, Trey Watson, reportedly related to two incidents uh, with unnamed personnel. Um, according to Three Down Nation, it was wasn't a physical altercation, but I guess he had said something and two players took it the wrong way from the sounds of what happened, but I'm sure we'll know more on that story later, and Chris Jones being Chris Jones immediately signs him, so you'll love to see it. <laughs> and then, Typical Chris Jones. Yep, Chris Jones guy right there. And then <laughs> Elks signed former fourth-round NFL draft pick, Hakeem Butler. Riders add Canadian safety, Jordan Beaulieu. He'll probably be on there to buff up the special teams, but we'll see. And then Bombers, Kyrie Wilson out with a possible ACL tear, so all the best to him. Was, uh, I thought it was Achilles. Or is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. It says on the news ACL. So oh, oh, really? I uh, just wrote me... that wrong. I uh, might have wrote okay. that wrong. Sorry. Okay. So let, yeah, TSM let's go. Conf- Wilson out with Achilles. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm trusting Carter. All right. All good. Yep. So let's get into our first uh, recap of last week. DC narrowly beat the Red Blacks. They looked human this week. That's right. The Lions, thirty-four to thirty-one. Now, was this game close because BC is kind of coming down to earth? Or was it a battle between two really good teams? Uh, I th- I think it's a bit of both. Like, BC is still the best team in the league, but they were on the road facing Ottawa, and they are, like, they're desperate for a win. They've been close before this year, and they're really trying. So I, th- I think it was a combination. But, yeah, it was definitely a battle between two good teams, for sure. Yeah, and and um, I think it's just sort of proving as well that it's like Ottawa is a just yeah really really good football team. I mean, their first three games have been basically running the gauntlet 
And so to keep all of those games, the furthest, like the biggest differential between all three games has been a touchdown for them so far. So I think that Ottawa's got that fight in them. And it's just a shame that they've had to play the top two teams and them alone so far this year. For sure. Uh, Nathan Rourke definitely looked a little bit more human this game, but I think that's more to do with Ottawa actually being a competent football team versus anything to do with BC. And that's kind of where I'm at with that one. Um, BC could be coming down a bit more to earth. I guess we'll see next week. But yeah, Ottawa certainly has not been lucky playing the Grey Cup champs and then BC, who's been the hottest team in the league, is their first kind of three opponents. And then, despite being competitive in every game, Ottawa is still 0-3. When are they going to catch a break? Well, they play... Uh, sorry, they play Hamilton, Montreal, and Toronto the next three weeks, so they're going to catch a break in one of those games, probably against uh, Hamilton or Montreal, if anybody. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking in the next two to three weeks they're going to get their first win. Um, yeah, just, when will they catch a break looking at their, uh, who do they play? They play Saskatchewan at home this upcoming week. That's not too amazing then. Oh yeah, it's going to happen. Not this week. Well, maybe this week, but definitely the week after. I mean, come on. Come yeah. on, play Hamilton. They are due for a dub, but, uh, Saskatchewan at home is a different beast than Saskatchewan on the road. So I don't think it's going to be yeah, this week. It'll be next word. week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, are the two picks cause for concern that Nathan Rourke uh, threw, especially when you're playing Winnipeg next week, if you're BC? Well, I mean, they didn't score over 40 points either, so they're they're kind of slowing down. I mean, it wasn't realistic to think they were going to score 40 every game, but... You know, it's it's going to slow down. People are going to start having more film on Nathan Rourke, and they're going to start understanding their gameplay in BC as the season goes along. So, uh, I well, I I definitely think they're going to take a step forward this year, be in the playoffs, uh, and they could hold that top spot if they keep it up. But it's it's tough to say. Like, I think the picks are a bit concerning, but they don't have to be too worried yet. It's only two picks. Um, yeah, the only thing that I would be worried about with those interceptions is that they kind of looked like there was at least one that looked pretty ugly in terms of like his decision making. And it's mm-hmm. just like that's going to come with time. And it's it's worrisome in like the near future. But over the course of like a whole season, I wouldn't be too stressed. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat is. Again, this is a really good team. So, two interceptions uh, through three games for Nathan Rourke. I don't think it's a huge cause for concern. Again, we'll see next week. I think that'll be the real test for BC, but, I mean, yeah, I'm not too worried about him at all. And then, jumping into the dumpster fire, or I guess the basement bowl, neither of these teams, or I guess one of them, could argue is in the dumpster, but... Here we are. So, Trey Ford and the Edmonton Elks get their first dub. Well, just, I I don't know what to call it, but they they somehow snuck (laughs) in the W and defeated the Ticats 29-25. So, what were your thoughts on the Canadian quarterback uh, getting his first start and his first win? 
Yeah, you know, for his first start in in a game like that, he played well. He could have played a lot worse than he did. So, you know, didn't have over 200 yards, but still got the job done. And he ran, like, I've seen a couple of his runs there, and they were really nice. So, you know, if if that's your first game, it seems like he has lots of, like, he's got lots of upside to him. So, yeah, no, I think I think it went really well for him. Yeah, I think it went okay. I wouldn't, like... I'm not going to lie, I saw a lot of, like, media press and all of that, like, just sort of hyping him up after this, because he won. Um, This is a game that you should win, and he didn't play amazing. So, it's not something like, I'm, like, yeah, I think he's got pretty good upside to him, but, I don't know, I feel like people are uh, kind of hopping on the, uh, the Trey Ford train a little bit to... Uh, or the Trey Ford F-150, however you want to yep, call it. We're, we're using that one. Too, uh, a little bit too early. Now, <laughs> I'm kind of in the same boat whenever I see Canadian quarterback. You know, I, I'm i inclined to be on that uh, Ford F-150. But for me, going into this game, what I expected from Trey Ford was coming out of college. He was an elite scrambler, but there were questions with his arm. So what I expected was he was going to run a lot and he was going to throw a fair amount of interceptions. Um, I thought he was relatively good as a passer, uh, better than I thought at least, you know. Uh, My initial assessment, I think I would say, is better than I expected, but I don't know if someone who necessarily knew or didn't know who Trey Ford was, what their expectations were for him. So, for me, a pleasant surprise. Uh, I would give his performance that kind of grade. I thought he was going to do a lot worse. Came out better than I thought. And follow-up question. Does he start the next game against Calgary? 100%. He got you your first win of the year. Yeah, I just think it's... I think you got to go with what's what's hot and what's good right now. And that's it seems like it's him. Like, Nick couldn't get it done for a win. Trey did, so you got to roll with Trey. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. Like, like, don't get me wrong with what I said about Trey Ford before. The correct play is to keep with what's going to get you wins, and that is the only thing that you know so far that is getting you wins. So stick with it. I think I'm with you there. For me, Nick Arbuckle was getting better week to week, so I was kind of shocked that they did go with Trey Ford, but... At the same time, he got you your first win, so I think he deserves at least one more start to see if it's for real or if it was just Hamilton, you know, being a dumpster fire team. Now, speaking of Hamilton and dumpster fires, does Dane (laughs) Evans bear the majority of the responsibility for this loss? Notice how I worded that, because yes, you do win and lose as a team, but Certain factors factor in more than others. So does he bear the majority of the responsibility for this loss? You know, you you have to think a, a little bit. Like, it's it's got to be on his shoulders. He has not been playing the best ball this year. Uh, he's got the most turnovers in the league. Like, it's just, it's not working out for him right now. And that play at the end where he gave up the touchdown on the fumble, it just... Yeah, it's it, it, you can't make mistakes like that in those situations. But that whole team is collapsing too. So it, I think 
he, it's majority on his shoulders, but yeah, they do have to take it as a team because that defense collapsed in the second half. Yeah, right. It's like it's just so easy to zoom in and just be like, hey, this is where he fumbled. He gave up a touchdown, blah, 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 blah. But like at the same time, like the one thing I always say whenever it's like whenever there's like a big play that results in points going the other way is that it's like Edmonton scored 29. It wasn't just like a 0-0 game that ended up with that being the only yeah for them to score. There was like um, so while I think it's really easy to hold the microscope to Dane Evans and I mean, it's also fairly deserved at the moment. Um, I wouldn't say that it's like mostly his fault alone. That's fair. Uh, for me, I would use the analogy of first half Hamilton was starting to shut the door and then Dane Evans threw a door stopper in there at the lot in the second half, just because his two interceptions, I believe Edmonton scored on both and he got really good field position there too off of those two picks and that kind of let them back in the game. And then when it mattered, when he needed to come in clutch, folded. So for me, I'm not going to say it. he's the majority at fault, but I do say he probably bears the most uh, blame. Um, I wouldn't say that's over 50% of it, but I would say that him kind of folding in the second half was a huge factor in this loss. I just want to say, I'm just kind of re-watching the highlights here as we're talking, and with six minutes left in the third, the score was 22 to nine. Yep. And like it finished 29, 25. Yeah. That's just, you're never going to win that way. Yeah. Like those two picks that he threw, like just again, it it kicked the door open for the Elks and kind of let them back in. And yeah, for me, that's, that's why I kind of, I don't place the majority of it, but I do place him as the most significant factor in the loss is because he essentially let them back in with two picks that led to big scoring plays and couldn't get it done in the clutch. And then I know we talked about it last week, but last week didn't release. So to go back to week one, we talked about how some teams didn't need to hit the panic button because it was uh, post-week one. Some teams needed to keep it in their desk. And we talked about after, not last week's games, but the weeks before, some teams should bring it out of the desk. And one of those teams was Hamilton. Now, that panic button is sitting on your desk. Do you hit it? Uh, you know, I, I'd say, oh, no, first I'm going to say no, but it's solely because you're only in fourth place in the West, or sorry, in the East, but the first place team only has two points more than you. So right now, you don't have to panic because the rest of the East is in just as bad a shape as they are. If, let's say if Toronto was three and one, or like, or sorry, they were three and zero, or Montreal was three and one, or two and two and one. Like, then I'd start to worry because it's going to be tough to catch up. But they're one game behind right now from first place, and it, it only takes it. It would take two games to get first place. So I really don't think they have to panic yet. But if the rest of the East starts picking up, then they really have to panic. 
So you took that one way. I'm going to take it another way. Yes. They lost to Edmonton. Yes. Hit the panic button. Oh, let's go. There we go. Like, come on, man. Like, you're sat there. You're 0-4 now. Like, it's not just, like, shake the cobwebs off time. We're a month into CFL football, and you have not been able to get yourself a win after a game that you really should have been able to get yourself a win. So, yeah, I'd be, like, I'd be freaking out if I was a Hamilton fan. Like, being, being a Bomber fan, I'm freaking out, and we're 4-0, and but it's just because the games are close that I'm freaking out. I'd be pulling my hair out if I was a Hamilton fan right now. Could you imagine being an Ottawa fan and losing all those games so close? Right? Oh. Yeah, <laughs> but back to Hamilton. Uh, I'm with you, Carter. I'm smashing the the button. Uh, I'm smashing it so many times at my break. Um, <laughs> you went from being in the Grey Cup and losing in overtime to losing to a quarterback in his first game. Uh. And just, I don't know, this is a game you should have won. You're at home, you're playing who people think, most people think is the worst team in the league. And you just, they had to, this was a, I hate to say a must win, because that's a dumb narrative, but it kind of was, you know, to prove that, hey, we're still a good team, but this is not the same team. It went to a Grey Cup last year, so I'm sorry. I'm hitting the panic button. Something's off here significantly. And then... Okay. Hold oh, yeah. on. They just... They play... Like, they have a bye this week. Then they play Ottawa. Then they go to BC. And then Montreal goes to Hamilton. That's... It could I mean, go 0-6. That, yeah, and then, like, they go to Toronto... And then Toronto goes to them. So, like, yeah, like, that's, wow. They might get one one win out of those games. We're, yeah. we're talking about that. We're talking about that because we are genuinely just putting them at the bottom of our rankings and just assuming that they're not going to be able to beat anybody. I mean, yeah. you lost. Like, that, that is something you have to keep in mind, though, where it's, like, I'm sure that eventually they're, like, going to be able to turn it around. But, like. Oh, yeah. But to be fair, who could they beat right now? You know, if you couldn't no, beat the yeah, Elks, no. you're not beating Toronto, you're not beating yeah, Ottawa, no. you're not beating... Of course like, yeah. not, but that's, but that's in your current state, right? A lot can change when you go, like, three weeks from now, right? They could be three and four, first place in the West, or in the yeah. East, excuse yeah. me. And then it's a whole nother conversation. And with the East being, you know, bad, it could happen. <laughs> yeah, you never know. That's the crazy thing about I the guess, East. Yes, yeah, the East is kind of a mess. Uh, two wins total as a division in... It's now been four weeks, so yeah, um, they still have a chance to get in it in that division, but I mean, overall, I don't know. And then Sask managed to redeem themselves last week after getting absolutely devastated on the road. They went home, and like I thought they would, they played for their pride, and it felt like they dominated the Alouettes, but, like, man. Good game, 41-20. Um, after this game, do you continue to roll with Trevor Harris, or do you go back to Vernon Adams? You know, I think you give Trevor one more game. Like, he played well at home. This was a tough road. Like, back-to-back games are tough. I think we learned that earlier on in the season, too. So, 
Uh, I think you give him one more, and if if he doesn't perform, then you then you're putting Vernon in. But you just gave it to Trevor, so like, yeah, you got. I think they got to give him one more opportunity. Yeah, like while he while yeah, you got smacked by Saskatchewan like at home, like when you were visiting, right? Um, before the home and home, if you told like a Montreal fan going into it, yeah, you're gonna split with Sask. They're probably gonna be okay with that. So yeah. I wouldn't be too uh, too willing to take the ball away from Trevor Harris right now. Yeah, I think you give Trevor one more game. I think it would be like a good excuse to be like, oh yeah, VA is 100% now from COVID or whatever. He's coming back. But I, I, Yeah, I don't yeah. like that. Like, I don't know. that That's the only reason I could think you would start VA over Harris. Is like, oh, he's 100% now. We're good to go. But if it's me... Who gives you the best chance to win right now? I think that's Trevor Harris, so you should go with Trevor Harris. And then there was that game got really chippy at points. Um one of the Alouette's defensive linemen, I believe it was Wakefield, got ejected, but in fairness to him, Ty Rogers went and just absolutely blasted him from behind and what the first misconduct was him going after him after the hit, and he had to sit out a series, and then he came back and went after Rogers again. But just because of how I guess dirty uh, that hit was, does Rogers face any punishment? Uh, do you think this week? Uh, I mean, he could get a fine, but I think that's the most it'll be. They're not gonna. They're not going to suspend somebody like that over something right now. Like, yeah, I don't think it'll happen. You know, they actually, we didn't include it in the news. I just remembered this. But if you remember last year, Chris Edwards went into the stands in Toronto and like tried to fight fans. Yep. He he actually got his six game lifted to a three game suspension. So he'll be back next week for Toronto. So I really Ooh. don't think they're going to suspend somebody for that. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling about it. Um, just like we've seen things that have been worse be handled sort of like in like where you kind of like do it's like oh if that warrants that you go down right so it's like i don't think it'd be much more than a fine yeah i think it'll probably be a fine too i think if this maybe wasn't two guys in the trenches going at it like if this was say ty rogers was a defensive lineman he did that to cody fajardo he's he's getting suspended for a few games but because they're battling in the trenches i don't think it's going to warrant that same amount of attention is probably just going to be a fine. I know um, Craig Dickinson said before the game that if Ty Rogers and Marino, and he named those two specifically, didn't cut down on their penalties, he was going to bench them. So I, I am very curious to see if he holds to his word next game, or if we still see Ty Rogers as a starting tackle for the Riders. I hope he does because the penalties are going to kill the riders going like just continuing in the season. It's going to kill them and they're going to lose games because of these terrible penalties they're taking. Yeah. And I know for um, our buddy James, who's sometimes on here, was talking about we have Jamal Campbell who can play tackle as a Canadian too. He kind of described him as a band aid. And I mean, I'd rather have a Band-Aid out there than a guy who's costing us, you know, I think he cost us 25 yards in penalties on that drive. So I'd mm-hmm. rather have a Band-Aid offensive lineman in there who's doing an okay job. He, he's not outstanding, but he's not great, than a guy who's, you know, not top-tier 
tackle either, and is also costing us penalties. So that's kind of where that's I stand fair. on that. And then Cody didn't look like himself for a good chunk of this game. Um, just with, I believe he got injured there, but he was able to finish the game uh, until until garbage time they put fine in, but there was a point there where he was limping and he was still in the game, so how concerned should the Riders be about Cody's health? Uh, I don't think they need to be too concerned yet. Uh, you know, it's like they got time, they'll have some time to heal, and they just gotta really protect him a bit better that's just kind of been a concern all year going ahead anyway so uh they do they, yeah if they help him out they'll be fine but i mean if he's gonna get hit and hit all the time it's not gonna be good and the riders don't have a buy until the first week of august so they gotta really protect him i guess if they don't want it to get worse because mason fine's good but he's not cody Fajardo. so yeah no it's something that like um, I wouldn't be too stressed about it. Again, um, Cody Fajardo is uh, is like obviously not looking like the Jesus sprinkles version of him that you got um, in 2019. But um, I would not be too stressed about him either way. I think he's going to be fine in the future. That's fair for me. Again, the offensive line isn't great, and I know part of that is down to this is Logan Bandy's first time playing center. You know, this is a dude who, throughout youth sports, he was a tackle. It was coming into the CFL projected to be a tackle. And then I know uh, someone who's buddies with him, we'll call him an anonymous source, said that the Riders wanted him to play center. And I thought they were completely out to lunch with that. It's like, no, this guy's a really good tackle. You know, he's going down to the NFL. They're looking at him. Uh, He's probably going to be a tackle, you know, and... Turns out he was right. They were evaluating him as a center, so it's interesting, and as a center, you're kind of the guy to call stuff out on the O-line, and this is kind of the first time he's really doing that, so there's definitely going to be some growing pains between him and Dan Clark, and I think it's going to be night and day when Clark gets back, in terms of that part of it. So, I'm not too worried, uh, Again, Simone, we're not playing Simone, so he's not going to take a shot in that leg next game, probably. So, I think we're okay. And then, let's jump to... uh, Speaking of a WoW game, we talked about the Edmonton-Hamilton game. How about this game? Oh my god. Oh man, yeah. You had to see it to believe it. Uh... The Winnipeg Blue Bombers win this one by the skin of their teeth, 23-22. to And our editor, Brandon, was actually at the game posting stories, so I bet he had a really fun time walking out of there in a bomber jersey. So, <laughs> does, uh, does MBT return to form, or are we likely going to see uh, Chad Kelly in the near future? No, I think I think you're still rolling with McLeod. You don't really have it. Like like Chad Kelly's a nice idea, but he's still like a rookie in the CFL. So I don't think they're going to hand the keys over to him or let him start yet. Like McLeod had a rough start, but like after that rough start, he got his crap together and like he lit it up. And like yeah, there was a point. Yeah, he was just he had a terrible start and he did great. So uh, 
it's tough. I, I'm going to say it. I'm off the train, though. You know, I saw too much collapse. I, I, I'll, I'll support him from afar, but I'm not going to be defending him like I used to anymore. I just can't do it. It's just too mentally tasking. Interesting. <laughs> now, for me, I was, I was going to bring up, though, is like, you know, sure, yeah, he's not one of the bright spots right now on this team. But remember when he was like the only good thing that Toronto had? Yes. Like he was the yep. one thing that people were like, oh, we can still re- like think that Toronto has a chance just because of him. So it's like it would almost look bad if you were like a player in the CFL and you saw it's like, oh, they stuck with this organization through thick and thin, had a couple of bad games. Now they're gone. Like, or at least now they're not starting. Right. That's a bit worrisome. Um, So I think you got to keep them around for the uh, for a while before you start to think about uh, having him go or having him. Uh, no longer start for your team. I look at that, and I mean, they did bring Nick Arbuckle in last year to kind of be the future in MBT, and he has not looked good uh, throughout the start of the year. He had a terrible first half of this game, and then just when we all were counting him out, just Turn the clock back and look like vintage MBT in that second half, and that's a big part of why the Argos were even in this game at all, you know, to be in the position to almost tie it. So, yeah, for me, I think his leash is getting shorter than it previously was, but I'm not, I don't think we'll see uh, Chad Kelly in a week or two. Maybe, maybe later in the year, but definitely not right now. And then, speaking of controversy in Toronto, are the Argos beginning to unravel? And the reason I ask this is because there was a prolonged fight on the Argos sideline. This wasn't guys pushing and shoving each other for a couple seconds after they go two and out. This was a fight that lasted for a couple drives in this game, and I remember TSN even went back to it. So. That is one thing that makes me think not everything's so good in Toronto. And then after the first quarter, they had an impromptu team meeting, which both those things kind of reek unraveling desperation. So I'm going to ask, are are they folded? You know, I, I don't think so. I think it really hurt to lose that game, like after the comeback that they had. But... uh I don't know. I think maybe it's just some new pieces that haven't clicked yet because it was Brandon Banks fighting with some guys, it seemed like. And, uh, you know, that was crazy to see on TV, though. Just like, yeah, it was like 10 minutes of them yelling at each other. And it got so bad that Pinball Clemens had to come out of the booth and, like, sit with the team so they didn't fight. Like, it was <laughs> it was something I've never seen before in sports like that. I've I've never seen that. So... I, I, I don't know if they're unraveling, but it, it wasn't a good look for them. And I think they have a lot of like bonding and growing to do as a team That's like with that happening. Yeah, the thing that I noticed is that, like, yeah, with Pinball Clemens coming down there, it's like, you have screwed up so bad if you make that man Pinball not smile. Yeah, hey. He's the true. happiest man on the planet. That is true. That scared me more than anything. When I saw him just going down there and looking like he was just ready to to take someone's head off, I was like, oh, uh oh. 
Like, so you think if I, he was going to do something like that, he'd do it with a smile, but I guess not. <laughs> no, he is, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was weird to see. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for me, it, a little bit of arguing and shoving after, you know, a bad drive, that happens. You know, if you sit near a team bench long enough or play on a team long enough, you're going to see stuff like that happen. And that's fine, whatever. But for it to go uh, on for as long as it did, and for Pinball to have to come down from his suite to babysit the, these guys and get them to stop, I think that's a big sign that something's wrong. And I think a couple red flags need to be going on the Argos organization right now, or at least some of those players. So. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. And then, Winnipeg's lack of scoring on offense, is it still a concern? Uh, we talked about that last episode, but again, that didn't go out. And then, especially for who they face next week. This week, yeah. No, I mean, that's it's got to be a bit concerning. Like They're still finding ways to win, but if Toronto does get that extra point, and it goes to overtime. We don't know what could have happened. Like it's easy to say Winnipeg could have won. It's easy to say Toronto could have won, but you never know. And I don't think they're going to be allowed to like make the mistakes and have the tight game like they did with Toronto against BC this week. Because if they do, it won't work out in their favor. I definitely think it's a concern now that they're going to start facing some West teams, like kind of consistently here. It's it's interesting to me because. When you look at BC when they took on Ottawa, Ottawa was able to score a lot, whereas Winnipeg was able to kind of put a bit of a a holster to that against Ottawa in week one and two. So it's going to be a little bit interesting to see how much of their defense is going to be able to uh, alleviate that pressure. But um, I think Winnipeg's offense, um, for a team that's so defensively dominant, I think the offense is going to decide whether or not they uh, perform well in that game. Yeah, with the West having such elite just defenses, I think them struggling against the East, it should be a concern. Uh, Winnipeg's defense is so good, they don't need to have a stellar offense to win games, but they at least need an average one. And for me, I guess some of those top-tier teams, Saskatchewan, BC, uh, Calgary, I don't know if that's going to be enough to get them wins, but it certainly will be against kind of the lower end West teams, the Edmontons, you know, and it'll it'll be enough to win against the Eastern teams. But yeah, I would be concerned when you're going up against the Western opponents for sure. And then uh, a controversial play call here in this game on the Banks uh, touchdown that he kind of stole from a DB. Should it have counted? Should the defensive back have been ruled down by contact? Or should it have just been an incompletion? You know, I I, I don't know if this is a controversial take, but I'm going to say it should have been a touchdown. Uh, it's tough because like, he was kind of down, but some of the angles showed that it might have kind of like simultaneously came out at the same time. So I like the way it went. Uh, I don't think there was enough to overturn it, and they called it a touchdown. So 
uh, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I think it was the right call. Uh, yeah, it's tough because it's like I think whichever way you lean is the way that like they're gonna go. Like you wouldn't be able to have convinced me that it would have been overturned either way, whether they call it an interception or a touchdown. Um, I think it's yeah, it's just really considering like at what point, like how long is he on the ground for until he has like possession of the ball, right? Because that's what determines whether or not it would be like considered just a pass that got bobbled into the Toronto player as opposed to a pass that was like, cause I don't believe that it would be like registered as like an interception and then a fumble into a touchdown. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so it's just like, I think the way that, yeah, whichever way the referees called it was going to be the way that it went. And yeah, it just went, it went against Winnipeg this time, but I mean, it happens and there have been times where something like that goes towards Winnipeg. Right. So it's whatever. For me, I thought the, DB didn't survive contact with the ground, but so it should have just been no catch. But the refs it's did I, the I, ball never touched the ground. I thought it did, but no, I, I was gonna go say it didn't touch the ground. That's okay. kind of the whole point of it that it didn't touch the ground. So it's just in that yeah, case, the toughness. In that case, if it didn't touch the ground, it should have been an interception. However, they ruled it a touchdown. So it has to be conclusive that it was an interception. And seeing what I saw, it definitely, like you guys mentioned, that play could have gone either way, depending on what what it was called as. So for me, uh, rule book wise, that's a touchdown. But for me, it probably should have been something else. And then that wraps up our recap. So let's go to power rankings. For me, BC is still in first until proven otherwise. Winnipeg is still really good. Saskatchewan, getting back to their old ways, I move them up to three. Calgary goes down to four just because, again, if these two teams faced off right now, I think Sask is beating them. Montreal, you are in fifth. Ottawa, sixth. Again, another really close loss, but two. The number one team on here. So there you go. And then Toronto, I have at seventh. Edmonton, I have eighth. And Hamilton in ninth. Yeah, I mean, we're looking pretty similar. I got BC one, Winnipeg two, Calgary three, Sask four, Montreal five, Toronto six, Ottawa seven, Edmonton eight, and Hamilton nine. And I just, yeah, I have Calgary above Saskatchewan just because Calgary hasn't been blown out this year like the Riders have, so I'm going to put them above uh, Saskatchewan. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a little more in the tank for Montreal than Toronto has right now. And I really want to see Ottawa start climbing the rankings, but just can't do it yet with no wins on this, with no wins yet. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, so I've got BC in first uh, and Winnipeg in second. Obviously, however this week ends up is going to uh, either change that or cement it. Um, then Calgary in third, Saskatchewan fourth, Montreal in the middle, Toronto sixth, Ottawa seventh, Edmonton eighth, and now Hamilton is the team that is slammed into the basement. Fair enough. Let's jump to our CFL fantasy. So our QBs that I recommend for best positional options, I'm going with Nathan Rourke, Cody Fajardo, Mazzoli, and Ford. I think those are probably your four best options this week. Uh, any other QBs you would consider? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, maybe 
Uh, Claros will have a tough game in BC against that defense. Maybe Bo Levi against Edmonton's defense. But that's, yeah, I mean, I think Cody's the best pick this week, in my opinion. I mean, I'm actually going with Masoli. I feel like the best quarterback pick is, yeah, in that matchup. But I'm going with the Masoli side of things just because I wanted to save a couple of bucks. That's nice. totally fair. I know um, the reason I like to pick quarterbacks like these who are dual threats is because they have that rushing upside in fantasy that is so valuable. And they score their own goal line touchdowns. I think all of these guys, except Ford, I think Loxley alters some of those from him. But otherwise, yeah, uh, that's kind of why I have them ahead of a guy like Bo, who... You know, might be a better quarterback in a game than Trey Ford, for example, but Trey Ford's rushing yard upside is, might get him more points on a given week than Bo. And True. I do have the asterisks on Trey Ford if he starts. Uh, we discussed that. I think it's more likely he does start. So yeah, just take that with a grain of salt. And then for running back, it is... Well, I guess four out of six isn't slim pickings, but I have... Butler, Carey, Morrow, and Owl as my four running back recommendations. Is there anybody else that you would consider this week? Uh, just if you need to go cheaper, I'd say Brady Oliveira, just because if the passing game st- like doesn't start working there, they're going to be split between him and Augustine. So, And they give it to Brady Oliveira on the goal line, typically, so he could get you some points there. Yeah, that's fair, but I mean, for me, I'm going with the expensive pair. I'm going Kadeem Carey and Jamal Morrow. Ooh, I like it. I'm going Ooh. with William Powell and Jamal Morrow. So, I- I'm buying into the William Powell revenge game because in Ottawa, he used to be a killer against Sask, and I think he's going to be extra motivated, and he's got relatively fresh legs just returning from injury. So, I'm going with those two, and with Oliveira, I went with him last week and got burned because for some reason Winnipeg decided to use three running backs. So <laughs> I am definitely not putting him on my list after that until, you know, we kind of get that backfield sorted a little bit. And then for wide receivers, I have Kenny Lawler, Darvin Adams, Ian Schaefer Baker, Malik Henry, Keon Hatcher, and Mitch Picton. Anybody else that you guys would be considering at the receiver spot this week? Not really. I'm I'm having a tough time putting my roster together right now. I did have Manny Arsenault and Keon Hatcher. I'm going to keep Keon Hatcher for sure. But uh, yeah, I think he's a good pick this week. Dude, we are uh, we are looking pretty uh, twinsy on the receiving core. I've got Keon Hatcher <laughs> and I got Manuel Arsenault, and then I for my flex, I'm going with a value Dalton Schoen. Oh, that's a good one. Fair I mean, enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I I love my consistent receivers, and Hatcher has been consistent all year, so he's been in my lineup all the entire season, and I'm not going to bail on him now, so he's in my lineup, and then I have Mitch Pickton as my other receiver. He He's done alright when he's played, and he's filling in for Shaq Evans, so he's going to get targets. And then I have a value play for my other receiver spot, and I'm not picking the defense this week. So, for defense, if you are going to pick one, I have recommended kind of the two defenses with the most upside just because I don't think there is really a matchup worth exploiting this week. I have BC 
uh, as one, and then Saskatchewan as the other. Is there any other defense you guys would consider picking this week? No, I'm trying to fit the Riders' defense in my lineup. They've been playing good at home, so if you want a defense, I'd say pick them. Yeah, it's it's tough to like for me. Normally, I try to fill out my entire team, and this year I'm kind of trying to get away from the defensive side of things a little bit. Fair enough. And then for our value plays, I have Edmonton running back Sherman Beatty. Um, I also have uh James's former teammate Luther Hekunovanu. Uh, I'm sorry if I said that wrong, but you guys know who he is. Um. Ty Loxley, Edmonton's backup quarterback slash starting wide receiver. Uh, he is there mostly because of the rushing touchdown upside. So it's a very Chris Jones-esque value play. If you like Chris Jones, that might be the pick for you. And then old reliable Dalton Schoen, who's only really had one bad week, but is still somehow $2,500. So... I think he's a guy that should be in everybody's lineup, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been working out pretty good. Over 10 points, like three weeks out of the four. That's that's pretty good for, uh, like, kind of like fourth option kind of guy. So that's good. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's in my lineup. And when you're getting a starting wide receiver for 2500 bucks, come on, man. When you're getting a guy who's getting over 10 points at the minimum salary, you pick that every time until, you know, the wheels fall off so yeah until the price goes up to 40 billion dollars yeah that yeah, or that or that they'll, they'll do it they'll do it speaking of it's prices speaking of prices i actually do not have nathan rourke as a lock this week uh he initially was but i was looking at some of the quarterbacks and part of me wants to go with trey ford and my two sides are really arguing with each other right now because I could really, I could really cheese it and get big points off that Sask defense. But right now, I'm not sure. So, again, he's not my lock because I'm not 100 percent sure he's going to be there. But one guy I am 100 percent sure is going to be in my lineup is Keon Hatcher. Barring any significant injury, he is 100 percent in my lineup. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, he's a he had a heck of a week last week so i'd take him too my lock of this week is actually going to be cody fajardo i just think with last week's game he's looking to build off of that and he's at home again and uh ottawa's defense like while ottawa's offense has been doing well ottawa's defense has let points up every game so i think he could have quite a game this week yeah, I'm going with uh, I'm going with Jamal Morrow had an outstanding week last week and so I am very, very excited to see what he's going to be able to do uh, coming up this week. Fair enough. And then let's get into our predictions. I have finally crawled my way back from worst to tied for first now. So <laughs> I have Calgary beating Edmonton in another battle of Alberta. I have Saskatchewan beating Ottawa. And then BC taking the dub against Winnipeg. Yeah, no, that's fair. I got. Uh, I'm, we're going a little different with the first game. I'm taking Edmonton. I just think it's at home. They're going to really be trying to build off that week last week, and they kept it competitive uh, for uh, actually a few games this year. So I think kind of with the home and home with Calgary a little bit that they'll take it. Uh, 
taking Sask over Ottawa. And yeah, I'm taking BC over Winnipeg. Just, uh, you know, Winnipeg's got a bit of a short week because they played on Monday. So I, I think that's going to have a negative effect on them this week. Um, for myself, I'm going with Calgary, then Saskatchewan. And, you know, you can't predict your favorite team to win every single week. So I think <laughs> uh, I think BC is going to take this one. However, prove me wrong. <laughs> I was gonna say Taylor and I have done that so far, but I mean, hey, I guess no, and we'll that's see. fair. I mean, if, but I'm sure, like, I'm assuming. Hopefully, if you guys came across this red hot BC team, I'm assuming you. Yeah, I'd pick BC. Eager, you know, exactly. I don't believe that green. Come on now. Yeah, it's like, a... I mean, I've I've picked Saskatchewan every week, I think, well, or except except for the one with Montreal. Yeah, you got that one right. <laughs> There's I've, a... I've, I've been 100 percent on Saskatchewan this season. Yep. Oh, good. Well, and I'm I'm thinking too. Like, there's always a when or a, when it's Saskatchewan versus Winnipeg. One of those is always a Winnipeg pick. <laughs> true, true. And then, so let's go to our off the pod activities. For me, Battlefield just came out with kind of a new map and some new weapons and things. So I jumped back into 2042, and not gonna lie, the new map's pretty fun. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done on that game, but overall much better than it was when it initially released, so I'm having fun in 2042. Uh, my off-the-pod activity has just, uh, I mean, I've been working lots, but uh, in my spare time, I've been watching the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. It is just a great show about... Uh, superheroes trying to save the world a few times but it's not like marvel or dc superheroes they're pretty tamed and uh seem pretty human and yeah it's just a really great show like if you're if you're into kind of thriller twists with some comedy and uh yeah it's really good i'd highly recommend it uh for myself i have been back on the fall guys thing they uh they have absolutely like brought so much more content into it and i just started it up again recently if you haven't played fall guys in a while you should actually really do it it's it's been a lot of fun and they have like duos and squads now so it's like because before people would be like you'd play like the squads in quotation marks that'd basically be like if you get eliminated you have to watch the rest of your friends play but now it's actually like you win as a team of four or you lose as a team of four. Oh, that's cool. interesting yeah um I think that concludes the pod, so thank you for listening once again. Uh, you can follow the show at True North CF Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and go like our Facebook page, True North Canadian Football Podcast. You can listen to the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Just search True North CF Podcast, you'll find us. Once again, I have been your host, Mike Schwan. The True North Canadian Football Podcast, signing off.